Welcome to today's Accelerate Your Performance podcast. I'm Casey Cook-Telionis, and I'll be your guest host for this special podcast series. Thanks for having a desire to be your best at work and help your organization achieve success. This podcast is all about actions we can take to improve workplace culture and achieve results. And they're all aligned to our nine principles for organizational excellence. As we approach our annual leadership conference, What's Right in Education on October 27th and 28th, I want to highlight a few interviews we released at the beginning of this summer. In April of 2021, four of our partner organizations shared their stories of success in uncertain times in the American Association of School Administrators magazine. We also brought these four leaders on our show to discuss the practices they use to help their districts and communities thrive. This week, I want to revisit our interview from episode 178, Measures That Matter and Decision Rules. During the conversation, Dr. Pat Greco, our Senior Director of Thought Leadership and the former superintendent at the School District of Menominee Falls, shared about how this school district stayed eight months ahead of the national conversation by investing in the brain power of its people to solve wicked challenges. Before I take us back to the interview, I want to talk about a question we often hear. Can you help fix our culture? The problem with this question is that people are often looking for a quick fix answer, a Band-Aid to slap on a broken leg. Fixing a culture or rebuilding a culture takes commitment and time. At the foundation of the organization's culture are its principles or values. We find that when people have input on the values and see senior leadership consistently role modeling the values, they begin to come to life and positively influence the culture. These principles or values have become indispensable to leaders we interviewed throughout this pandemic. We have heard countless leaders share that they leaned on their values like never before. In turn, the values provided teams a consistent foundation and common language that helped settle the uncertainty and keep teams moving in the right direction through impossible challenges. While we are now nearing almost two years since the pandemic first closed our schools and workplaces across the country, the lessons learned during this time are relevant for us still today. When schools closed on that Friday, the very next Saturday morning, that next day, Corey had a set of core guiding principles for the board and the leadership team to lean into and reflect on. One of the things that all of them indicated is as their own pressure built, the routines that worked for them under normal circumstances became the lifeline. They became more important in a crisis because it created that cadence for that decision-making, created that sense of calm for the people that they worked with. When everything else was in chaos, people actually could lean into the routines that mattered most. So what I what they were reflecting on is they were having weekly huddles that moved to daily huddles. They had guiding principles for decision-making that they kept out in front of the team on a regular basis. They centered on what they knew. You know, so when you think about using that plus delta all the time, what's known, what's a challenge, what's next? Who needed to be included around the table? You know, so as you think about the, you know, the decision-making rules, how do you make the decision of who has the information, who do we need to communicate to, and then really why, what, and how? Everything they learned about the process were tools they had used in the typical, but now they were hardwiring in a way that really mattered. 
As we just heard, it all comes back to the culture of the organization. When Pat says tools they had used in the typical, part of what she is saying is it's the way that people in the organization embody the culture and bring it to life. Daily huddles, consistent communication messages, these familiar elements are what people rely on in uncertain or constantly changing times. This focus on the fundamentals builds trust between employees and their leaders and between the school and its students and families. It's really this trust piece that enables ownership of improvement to happen across every role in the organization. Pat continues to talk about that now. The board understands how decisions are going to be made, the decision rules, they feel informed, they feel connected. The children and the teachers are feeling informed, connected. Those processes are in place. The, the main piece is, is when they have barriers, there's that sense of we can tease through anything because we know the process to solve a problem, to communicate it, and to scale what works and stop what doesn't. You know, so too often when we're thinking about improvement, we're thinking about the complexity of how we learn to be improvers. When it's in work, it's kids talking to their teachers and debriefing. Here's my goal. Here's what's working for me. Here's where I'm getting stuck. Here's how I know I'm making progress. You know, so all of the elements are at work. And then the teachers are talking together. We, here's our goal. Here are the students that are, that are progressing. What Pat is sharing here is extremely valuable. People are often overwhelmed by improvement. They are tired of starting initiatives, those silver bullets that end up fizzling out. Improvement is not an add-on to the work. It is the work. To be excellent organizations, we have to commit to making this part of the work. As I started this episode with today, Culture isn't something you can fix overnight. As CMF has spent years dedicated to this improvement work, and during the pandemic, this school district passed the ultimate test of flying colors. The other piece that was profound was rather than getting stuck in the emotion across the system, no one was blaming. And I can say this with confidence. Every person I interviewed said their teams leaned in. Everyone was willing to do what it took to tease through that next step. Communication flowed seamlessly. Well, that doesn't just happen. Right. Right. I mean, these right. mean that means the processes are in place to have communication flowing, understanding how students are making progress, understanding what they're looking for as far as those measures that matter most. And when they have barriers, Who's going to be around that table to have that conversation at the grade level, at the building level, at that team level? And when we think about that improvers, it's when everyone sees there's a challenge, not waiting for somebody to make the decision, digging in to say, what's the barrier? What might we do? And then bringing that what might we do to the people that are affected by that. You've probably read some of the multiple studies and data points revealing learning loss for students during the pandemic. Those analysis also reveal a greater learning gap for students from less educated homes. The good news is recent data is showing that the gap is closing. 
Similar to Irwin Middle School principal Angela Bush's example from episode 203, Tackling Student Learning Gaps, leaders in the school district of Menominee Falls use specific measures to catch students up after months of disruption. Now, as Pat will explain STMF's process, keep in mind we are talking about the spring, summer, and fall of 2020, not yet 2021. This process has set them up to be successful this year as well, despite not knowing at the time what would be happening with the pandemic. Yeah, when we think about the measures that matter most, the classroom measures were critical. And they're never perfect, but there's what we got, right? So they use the common checkpoints. They realized that the children in 4K through second grade had the greatest trouble staying on track to milestones in that time period. So as they were planning into fall, they took together all of the barriers. What would they need for social distancing? How could they keep the kids three through 12 engaged in a functioning way, right? They prioritized getting the little ones into the building with those levels of support. And then they prioritized the barriers for three through five, six through eight, nine through 12, and solved for the way that the schedule would work with the feedback from the staff members. They also didn't wait for someone else to bring them the answers. They were leaning into possible scenarios. They weren't getting stuck by, we're not being told what might happen. You know, so they were leaning into those projections. They made the specific challenges clear. You know, so how do we keep the kids who are hybrid engaged when they're at home? Well, the teachers came up with, this is how we're going to build this daily schedule. This is how we're going to provide small group support. This is how we're going to dedicate our support staff members. They built full schedules for the day and had it really clear how they were going to manage the day, the week, you know, the month. They knew their decision rules of when kids would have to go into quarantine. They stayed hardwired to their protocols. There wasn't a battle of wills within the system because they had one clear mission of the best possible way to keep kids on track. They made the assumption that kids were pacing typically. And when the classroom data indicated they weren't, they did that wraparound support with the extra help for the kids that were struggling from week to week. So they didn't wait six months to say, we've got kids who are are experiencing learning loss. They were able to use that. So every part of the way, they were able to test their changes, get their feedback on what was working, and really lean into this is going to make the biggest difference for the kids. In some organizations, there are leaders relying on somebody else to tell them what to do. People may be afraid of making a mistake, or they may genuinely not understand how to proceed. In order to move an organization out of this culture, really focusing in on those measures that matter are key because you can't do any of those things without measures that matter because that's what motivates people. As Pat just explained, STMF was clear on the measures that mattered. This enabled them to recognize which students needed more support almost instantly. When people don't know what measures matter, it's harder for them to proactively make decisions and take ownership of their roles. For example, as our podcast producer, I know the measures that matter include our engaged listeners and our weekly downloads. It is my personal goal to increase those numbers. Therefore, I know I can make decisions and test ideas that will help me reach my goal, and I know when we are making progress. This clear sightline keeps me focused on what I can control and motivates me to innovate within that realm. 
employees want to do what's right. They want to innovate and have autonomy in their work. When leaders set a clear vision, it creates purpose for measurement. The measures then align to the goals. And as teams connect to the purpose and the goal, the data informs how well we are performing and where barriers exist. These continuous conversations and celebrations motivate people to continue working towards the goal. Clear measures facilitate what we commonly refer to as freedom within the fences. When people understand what matters most and seek feedback from the people closest to the work, the results are tremendous. Yeah, and the measures that matter and the decision rules, you know, so they knew, you know, where their case counts were, right? They knew if their case counts did this, this would be their decision rule. They knew when their cases started going down, they had the ability to actually take that next phase. There wasn't anyone in the nation where they were. So they were eight months ahead of the national conversation, and they were creating that because they understood their guiding principles for decision-making, that deep level of communication. My convictions are even stronger than they have ever been, Janet, is we have to invest in the brain power of the people around problem solving. We have to know the measures that matter most. We have to leverage time for our talent to meet together, just-in-time data around that and critical, important information. We should be alarmed when we hear that adage of 70% of change efforts fail. We should be alarmed by that because it's just accepted as if that's fact, right? So as we're doing change efforts, we should be doing tests of change and scaling only what works. We should lean into the what doesn't work and be as happy when we know that it doesn't work as when it does, but let's not find out after we've scaled it to 500 people, right? You know, so we have to understand how to reduce the isolation. We have to commit to really helping people understand the process of improvement, iterations, scaling what works, and designing time for people to work together. If we do that, we can fundamentally change our field. And if we can figure out how to get the data to the right people at the right time quickly, we are sitting on a change in our field like healthcare had. Continuous improvement can be viewed as a process. However, I find it most beneficial if we view it as an element of our culture. The mindset of continuous improvement is what we want all employees to embody. Throughout Pat's interview, SCMF has demonstrated how a culture of improvement brought their team together to thrive through the pandemic while still keeping its focus on what matters most, student progress. Another extremely important theme to SCMF's success was their involvement of people. These decisions weren't made in isolation by leadership teams. SCMF continuously involves all people down to the frontline staff. Not only are their ideas heard, but an effort is made to develop each person to understand the mindset of continuous improvement and take ownership of their work. The result of these actions is a bold, trusting culture embodied by people willing to do whatever it takes. To really help people understand the process of improvement, We have to stop viewing improvement as an initiative-centered process and shift our thinking to a cycles of improvement mindset, as Pat shared. Improvement isn't always radical change. Improvement is a journey. Small steps allow us to test ideas and scale what's working. 
When we focus on what matters most, we become comfortable with letting go of actions and initiatives that don't align and create distraction. Never stop asking, is there a better way to do this? As we head into the weekend, think about that question for your team. When is the last time you asked if there was a better way to do this? Consider giving it a try in your next team meeting. And lastly, let's get back to that question I proposed in the beginning of this episode. Can you fix my culture? The answer is yes. An organization with a toxic culture can be fixed. To do so, we first need to hire people that align with the organization's values and believe in the mission. Next, we need to train and continuously develop everyone to become owners of their own work. And lastly, leaders need to continuously listen to employees and other stakeholders and act on their ideas and input. These are the must-dos for a positive culture, and if at any point we stop doing these, we risk falling back into that toxic culture. If you want to fix your culture, be patient and stay consistent. To learn more about our upcoming virtual events, like our leader roundtables and what's right in education, visit studereducation.com events. Thank you for tuning in to Accelerate Your Performance. Please share the podcast and leave us a review in Apple Podcasts. If you're looking for more resources related to today's episode, head over to studereducation.com slash podcast. I look forward to connecting with you next Thursday as we continue to focus on the nine principles for organizational excellence so that we can be our best at work. Have a great weekend.